The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, one more time, good morning. Welcome to The Grove. I'm so stoked that you are here today. As you can tell, we are starting a brand new message series called Life Hacks. Um, I'm excited for the series for many reasons. Um, if I haven't met you before, haven't had that privilege, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on staff. So glad that you're here. We're going to jump right into it. If you got your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to pull those out. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 to start today. Or you can bring out that smartphone or your tablet, open up that Bible app, and you can follow along. Again, Philippians 4 chapter 8. And as you're turning there, I want to make sure to give a definition to what life hacks is as we set up this series. Because some of you, when I said that I could see that it registers, um, th- that, that pop culture term, for some of you, you might, not, you might be going hacks, like, like Russia hacks, like, like computer hacking, like, like North Korea hacking. I thought that was a bad thing, right? It's a pop culture term. Let me give you a definition in a moment. Or let me first give you an example. Like back, I'm a child of the 90s, right? And, and pop culture terms, sometimes like you, when they first come out, you're like, I didn't know that means what it now means, right? I remember coming home to my parents, child of the 90s, and I used to say, man, that th- that's so sick. And my parents were like, so he's got the flu? Like, what are you, what are you talking about, right? Right, no, sick, man, awesome, Right? So life hacks like that is a pop culture term that really means on how to either accomplish something, achieve something, and either an easier, uh, a less expensive, or a quicker way, right? A life hack, some way to accomplish something, achieve something um, in, in an easier, cheaper, or quicker way. Um, that is what life hacks is. Let me give you an example of what one is. My kids love YouTube, okay? So um, I don't know if you know the YouTube website, but tons of different kinds of video. We don't let our kids watch real YouTube. There's an app called YouTube Kids because there's things that are a little bit too mature for them. There's, there's things too mature for me and you on YouTube, okay? Right? They watch YouTube Kids. I'm not a bad parent, okay? I'm, I'm working on it, but, but at least we put that filter in place. But it's where a place you can watch all kinds of videos, it can be videos of your favorite TV show, clips of them. It can be somebody in their room with a guitar and a camera that records it and puts it on there, right? So they love the YouTube Kids channel. And one of the shows that they watch from time to time, um, it's called, it's like Life Hacks, right? And a Life Hack is just this, it, the videos drive me nuts because it's like the people don't say anything. They just go through different scenarios of how you, you, you try to do something and it doesn't work, but there's a better way to do it. But it's just music behind it. It's a little annoying. But let me give you an example of a Life Hack. You might have a person on this show who is trying to transfer, you know, cooking oil from one jug to another jug, right? And it always starts out with them doing it like the wrong way, right? So they're like trying to pour it in and it gets all over the place and they give you the scrunched up face like it doesn't work, right? And then they show you the way to do it, right? And all of us know you need a funnel, right? You need a funnel of some kind. But the life hack is instead of going to the store to buy a funnel, you take the empty two liter bottle of pop that you have and you recycle, you cut it in half or you cut it in a third and you flip it upside down. And some of you are going, oh my gosh, I'm going to go home and do this today, right? You got a funnel, right? It's just an example of a life hack, a way to accomplish something, achieve something through a quicker, easier, uh, or or honestly, just in, in, in a way that works. And so for today, I'm setting up the message series where we take a look at spiritual things in our lives that we are either seeking to try to achieve or accomplish in, in ways that we can identify some of those and a life hack per se, quote unquote, is a way to properly do that. Today, we're going to take a look at this very simple idea of how to stay positive, right? How do we stay positive? How do we find joy in our lives? How do we achieve joy? Um, because every day you and I have opportunities, big, small. Uh, um, some of them are, are good things, opportunities, things that happen in our lives. You know, good things happen. Sometimes bad things happen, right? And let's be honest, some of the things that you and I face on a regular basis, they're really big, life-changing, life-altering things. 
right? So sometimes it's, it's devastating. Sometimes it brings anxiety. There's real stuff that we go through, right? So in the category of not good things or situations we can face, there's big ones. And sometimes there's also small ones, ones that are really honestly insignificant if we look at them. And yet I like to refer to them as first world problems, right? First world problems, somebody, you know, upset that their family used all the hot water and they didn't get a hot shower in the morning, right? And we can kind of laugh at that. And yet for some of us, it can really kind of start the day off on a negative tone, right? And all of a sudden we get a little snippy in our comments, grumble under our voice, and it can come out in different ways and affect not only us during our day, but also those around us, the ones we love, people that we work with. And so it's the idea of how do we achieve positivity? How can we have a positive mindset and not a negative mindset when we face the situations that we face every day? Let me give you an example. My daughter is nine going on 10 years old. Now, my daughter is incredible. Um, she gets straight A's at school almost. I mean, she's funny. She's super smart. Um, I shared a story about a month ago when I spoke about, I mean, she'll give anything she has to help somebody else, you know, the term, give your shirt off your back. And I, and I shared the story. If you weren't there, but um, I'll just kind of recap it. But she's the type of person that is willing to help somebody who's in need. In fact, we carry little kits in our car that have food and socks and some different things in case she sees somebody that needs it. They put them together with Nana and Papa, and we take those with us. But the story went that my mom, as many of you know, um, my dad died in March. And so she's kind of got to her, into her new normal and she's back home. And I was having a phone conversation with her and she was kind of telling me that she was losing weight and wasn't eating a lot. And Emery was only hearing my side of the phone conversation, not what my mom was saying. But Emery interpreted that as, you know, grandma was, was losing weight because she didn't have enough money for food. And so she wrote this letter and put in the only $5 that she has to send to grandma because she wouldn't help. So that's my daughter. She's amazing. Okay. So that's the context. Uh, but the other night, my daughter, like most nine, 10 year old daughters, she has her moments, okay? She, she has her moments. The hormones are starting, and somebody was very clear to inform me in between services you just wait till she gets to 12, 15, 16. I know, people, I know. I've heard, okay? But it's still happening, okay? There's emotions. I mean, she'll cry, and we'll say, Why are you crying? She'll say, I don't know why I'm crying, okay? Right? It's a lot like conversations I have with Aaron sometimes, okay? It's just, <laughs> this, it happens, okay? It happens. But the other night, she was having a moment, and we, we had to discipline, and she was kind of being, she was not being respectful to mom and dad, and, and so my wife said, Emery, that's it. We've told you, you have chances to change your attitude around, but now you're going to bed a half an hour earlier. I don't care. She stomps up the stairs to her room. We finished cleaning up dinner, because that's kind of when it happened, and uh, we were putting stuff away, and I went up to try to have a conversation, and I envisioned, ever have those moments when you envision something going some way? You think you're gonna be like the Danny Tanner, have the moment, right? You, you feel like growing pains, it's all gonna work out at the end and we're gonna hug. And I get up there and as soon as I walk in the door, she's finishing on her, she's drawing a no parents allowed sign <laughs> to put on her door. And so I said, Emery, I said, honey, I said, that's, I mean, we gave you a chance to come up. We've, we've explained what's going on. You're not being respectful. And that, that's not the way to do this. I said, you need to tear that up and you need to throw it away. I'm going to give you a chance to do that and turn this corner so things don't get worse for you. Dar darkening the border around the sign. Okay. I say it again, honey, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to count to three. And if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, then you're being rebellious. And, and I'm going to go take your Echo Show away. The Echo Show is like Alexa, right? It has a screen on it. You have Echo Dot. Hey, Alexa, play music. She, she got one of those for Christmas from Nan and Papa. It's her favorite gift that she got for Christmas. I said, you're going to lose it for the rest of tonight. Just darkening that border, <laughs> right? 
So I go and I take it and I put it in my room and she, she starts to cry and she's not happy. And I'm starting to notice and unfortunately it happened this way. is like, it's actually time for her to go to bed. Her bedtime is eight o'clock. It's now 7.30, right? She's like, it's not time for me to go to bed yet. And mom said, you're, you're going to bed a half an hour earlier. It's a punishment from before. And now you've lost your Alexa, uh, your, your Echo Show, you know, for the night. She's like, I, my bedtime's 8.30. I said, no, your bedtime's eight. Sometimes we let you stay up till 8.30 if you're good. You went the other direction. So for her, it's an hour swing, right? And she starts to cry, and we're having this moment, and, and I'm having to get her to go brush her teeth, and it was crazy five minutes of just emotion and crying. And I get her in bed, and, and we have a routine that we pray and all these kind of things. And, and yes, she's, she has an eye mask that she puts on and the earplugs. And, and, this is, and she is crying like deep thrall, like life is ending, crying for like five minutes, Okay in bed. Five minutes is a long time when you're in bed. And, 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 I, and I start to have the conversation, Emery, listen, honey, I know you're going through stuff. I'm sure there's a reason why you're acting out, but just because something doesn't go well, something at school, friends, I don't know what it is, and you don't want to talk about it, but I'm trying to teach her, right? But you can't take that out on other people, right? Because of that perspective that you have. I said, mommy and daddy love you. No, you don't. No, mommy and daddy do love you. No, you don't, or you wouldn't do this. I said, I said, Emery, and then, of course, I'm a pastor, so I pull out scripture, all right? And I say, I said, Emery, the Bible says that, 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 that God disciplines those he loves, and before I can finish it, and mommy, daddy, I already know that, because we've already used it with her before, right? So like, she knows this line. But then I give her a little bit of perspective. I'm just like, honey, I understand that this is tough. I understand it's terrible to go to bed a half an hour early. You lost your Alexa, uh, your Echo Show. I, I get all of that. But, but honey, you're crying as if your life is ending, like hyperventilating, crying as if like, like I chain you up in a dungeon and, and you get bread and water. And she, and she goes, it is the worst thing ever, right? Now, we can look at a story like that as adults and say, oh, you know, kids, and they go through that. And I mean, it's really not that big of a deal, half an hour early to bed. It could be way worse than that. But for her in that moment, it is like the end of the world. And we're, as adults, not all that unlike kids sometimes. Certainly, there are situations that we face that can be in the category, man, this is really bad. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I don't know. The bills are piling up and the hole's getting deeper and the business isn't doing well and I got this diagnosis and, and I didn't get the promotion. I mean, there's all these things that we really face and I get that. Then there's also those moments of the first world problems, right? Where like Emery, we, we look at something and it seems like the worst thing ever and it changes our outlook and how we act and how we perceive what's going on. And so the idea is, is how do you and I, when those situations arise, how can we stay positive? Should we stay positive? And what's the repercussions of if we do or if we don't? And you might be thinking, Ryan, this sounds a lot like positive thinking, right? There's that fad that was going on and, and still some places where corporations are bringing in, you know, consultants that are experts to have these trainings with their salespeople. Because if you go, if you've ever done sales before, man, going on a cold call and trying, it can be intimidating. Like, but you're in a positive thing. You're going to make that sale. Right? People used to go to bed listening to you are amazing. You are going to do great. Right. Positive thinking was like this big thing. Another thing, a lot of you got Seahawks gear on, right? Russell Wilson, when he came on the scene, from the day he's been here, has talked about his process of the power of positive thinking. When it comes to his trade of what he does, I focus on the good. I envision the game. I envision the plays and that I'm successful. I envision making the touchdown throws. I envision us winning. What he's saying is I don't envision the interception that I'm going to throw. I don't envision that we're going to lose. It's going to happen, but I, it's the power of positive thinking, right? The world has kind of come onto the thing. And, and even absent from God and, and the spiritual side of it, there's a power in focusing on the good, focusing
focusing on those things, talking the confidence up and moving forward. There's power in it. And you might look at it and say, Ryan, one more way the church tries to take business principle, a leadership principle, and apply it to church. Pause for a moment. If you missed last week, here's another one of those uh, moments that I shared in which the church we could look at, we were talking through the different levels of leadership within the church. And one of the levels of leadership within the church is a board. And so many of us might have just thought, well, I mean, corporations have boards, so the church must have a board. Makes sense. These aren't business principles. These aren't leadership principles. These are biblical principles that have been around for thousands of years. Positive thinking, the Apostle Paul, we we need to look no further than the Apostle Paul if we want to turn to Scripture on this idea of positive thinking. And I had you turn there. It's Philippians 4.8. And here's what Paul says. Listen to this. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Similarly, he writes another letter to a different church if you're taking notes. It's Colossians 3, 1 through 3, same topic, same theme, different church. Paul says this, if then you have, um, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What Paul is not saying is you've died physically. He said, but this whole idea of a spiritual rebirth, right? I've been saved, born again. The idea is that the old self has died and the new thing has come. The old is gone and the new has come. And now that that's the case, put your sights on things that are above, not on things that are below. Paul is writing these letters to churches that he loves to say, Think positively about what you're seeing. Think positively through the moments, regardless of the circumstances that you face. There is power to be found when you focus not on the temporal, but on eternal. It changes the perspective. And out of that is where you can find joy. And out of that, your actions, your choices will not only impact you, but those around you. How many of you have ever had an argument or a conversation or been snippy, and it really had nothing to do with your spouse or your kids or a work person? It really had to do that maybe, it happens with me and my wife, let me admit it, and I come home and she just gets, no, I'm just kidding. No, I come home and I'm short with her, and really I have to go back later and say, I'm sorry, that had nothing to do with you, some stresses from work or you know, whatever it is, right? There's these moments where they can seem like little things. We could even push them off to say, that's just life. I mean, they just, yes, but out of our perspective of a positive or a negative mindset are actions and choices that we make that have reverberations and and repercussions. Does that make sense? And so Paul is eluding. And you might say, well, Ryan, I mean, it's easy for Paul. I mean, Paul, it must have been, I mean, he was famous, so people liked him, and he traveled all over, and he's this great leader, you know, easy for him. And we've alluded to this in the past But I think it begs repeating, and I actually want to read the passage of Scripture that this is from, that of all people, Paul didn't have it easy. right? If you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 11.23, Paul starts to describe some of the things that he's been through, the situations that he's faced on a daily basis. He says this. He's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Pause. He's talking about the same lashings 39 times with the cat of nine tails that Jesus went through at the hands of the Romans. Paul says, I've gone through that five times at the hands of the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. 
A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from all other things, there is the daily pressure on me for the anxiety of the churches." Uh, if anybody understood what it was like to try to find joy and a positive outlook, regardless of the circumstances, it was Paul. Please hear me. I'm not making light of the real situations that we're facing. I get it. I get the struggles. I, 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 I've walked through some of those myself. Some you've walked through in unique and I haven't been there before. I get it. I'm not making light of it. But if we were to hold up the things we've been through and faced or are facing right now and side by side compare them with Paul, some of us might get a little embarrassed about what we're complaining about. But I want to also be clear on this. This joy that Paul has and this positive mindset that he exudes and, and exhorts within the church is not just for a super Christian like Paul. It's for you. It's available for you and me if we can understand it and put into place the practices to achieve it. I want to put up this chart for you. This is a kind of defining a negative mindset versus a positive mindset by Charles Swindoll in his book, Laugh Again. I just want you to listen to this. A negative mindset. A negative mindset is, divine, is defined by the need for certain things before there can be joy. A strong dependence on others to provide joy. Focusing on joy as being somewhere out there, right? Always in the future, as if we're waiting for something to happen and thereby that thing will bring happiness. He defines a positive mindset this way. The need for virtually nothing tangible to be joyful. The ability to create one's own reasons for joy. Choosing joy now, making it a present pursuit, never waiting for everything to somehow fall into place down the road or for some ship to come in to be able to find joy. For us, it can seem so hard, as Paul says, set your sights on things above. Focus on what is lovely and pure and commendable and righteous. It can seem so hard for us to see past the tough situations, the hardships, the disappointing moments, the struggles, the stresses. And even sometimes it's hard to, to, to find the good and get past the apparent unfair inequality that we seem to see that others seem to get more than we do through comparison. The, they're the ones that the breaks always come to somebody else or everyone else has it so easy. It's so hard for us to get past those things to see the good in our lives. And when it's, we see the good in our lives is where we can find true joy. It's tough for us to get through those real moments. When we're faced with that situation and in that moment, that weight is there, that anxiety is there, that fear is there. It's tough to push past and realize the good things that are still at play. And I say it this way, when I played sports, a loss always felt like it hurt more than a win felt good. I, I lost some games and I won some games. The losses hung with me far longer. That pain just seemed to be valued a little bit higher than the win or the, the positivity that I experienced from a win. Same thing for us in our struggles and the things that we face. It seems like those things outweigh and value the positives. Right When something doesn't go right, man, that just resonates. It's there all day long. But the good things, we celebrate for a moment, and they're fleeting, and then they're gone. It's so tough to make it through the struggles to view the good. 
I love that last part too. Apparently the unfair inequality that we see in others, that comparison that we have just puts us into a place of a negative mindset that can so affect our day and our decisions and our actions. I want to share a story with you. As we were putting together this series, Nick and Andrew found this story. It's a short story by GW Target entitled The Window, and which tells of two men, both seriously ill, who occupied the same small hospital room. The story goes that one man was allowed to sit up in his bed for an hour each afternoon to help drain the fluid from his lungs. His bed was next to the room's only window. The other man had to spend all of his time flat on his back. The men talked for hours on end. They spoke of their wives and families, their homes, their jobs, their involvement in the military service, and even where they had been on vacation. And every afternoon when the man in the bed by the window could sit up, he would pass the time by describing to his roommate all the things he could see outside the window. The man in the other bed began to live for those one-hour periods where his world would be broadened and enlivened by all of the activity and color of the outside world. The window overlooked a park with a lovely lake, the man said. Ducks and swans played on the water while children sailed their model boats. Lovers walked arm in arm amid flowers of every color and rainbow. Grand old trees graced the landscape, and a fine view of the city's skyline could be seen in the distance. As the man by the window described all of this in exquisite detail, the man on the other side of the room would close his eyes and imagine the picturesque scene. One warm afternoon, the man by the window described a parade passing by, and although the other man couldn't hear the band, he could see it in his mind's eye as the gentleman by the window portrayed it with descriptive words. Unexpectedly, an alien thought entered his head. Why should he have all the pleasure of seeing everything while I never get to see anything? It didn't seem fair. As the thought fermented, the man felt ashamed at first, but as the days passed on, he missed seeing more sights. His envy eroded into resentment and soon turned him sour. He began to brood, and he found himself unable to sleep. He should be by that window. That thought now controlled his life. Late one night, as he lay staring at the ceiling, the man by the window began to cough, and he was choking on the fluid in his lungs. The other man watched in the dimly lit room as a struggling man by the window groped for the button to call for help. Listening from across the room, he never moved, never pushed his own button, which would have brought the nurse running. In less than five minutes, the coughing and choking stopped along with the sound of breathing. Now there was only silence, deathly silence. The following morning, the day nurse arrived to bring water for their baths. When she found the lifeless body of the man by the window, she was saddened and called the hospital attendants to take it away. No words, no fuss. As soon as it seemed appropriate, the, the, uh, the other man asked if he could be moved next to the window. The nurse was happy to make the switch, and after making sure that he was comfortable, she left him alone. Slowly, painfully, he propped himself up on one elbow to take his first look. Finally, he would have the joy of seeing it all himself. He strained to look out the window beside his bed to find that it faced a blank wall. Now, whether this story is true or allegory, I do not know but it helps to at least paint a picture for you and I that it's so easy in the situations that we face that are real, some of them really tough, some of them maybe not so tough, that can turn us sour, turn us sideways. The, the envy of somebody else and what they get and what we don't have can change the way that we look at life. And because of that, the actions and choices we make, again, affect not only us, but those around us. And so the idea, if we're going to put this in the context of life hacks, if our goal is how do we find actual joy, how can we live like Paul lived, which by the way, again, as a reminder, is not just for a super Christian that you might think is Paul, but it's available to every single one of us. 
The whole world tries to find joy and happiness. And, and can I just stop for a moment and tell you those are not the same thing? Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Joy and happiness are different things, especially in the context of Western culture, and it's even part of the slogan used for America, the pursuit of happiness. And if happiness in our subconscious, and I'm asking you to search your own, your own belief, your own definition of what happiness is, if it's based on comfort, if it's based on things going well, if it's based on how much power or prestige you or I have or how much money we have, we talk about these things all the time, but if happiness is based in how many vacations we take and the toys that we own and the new gadget, so many people try to achieve joy. They call it happiness, and they do it in a way to go out and try to buy something or do something or be seen. They're waiting for others to give them kudos or build them up. That's where joy is found, but joy is different than happiness. Those outside forces can never bring true, true joy. It's what happens on the inside of our hearts. And the key, the life hack to achieving it isn't to go buy the stuff or do the stuff or, or have any of those things. It's to establish and create positive thinking in our minds and to focus our eyes, as Paul admonished us to do, on the things above, onto things that are good, the things that are real, that bring that joy in essence, where our mind goes, our life flows. What we see, what we focus on, out of that, our life will flow from that. Out of the decisions that we make, whether we see it through that positive mindset or negative mindset, is having an effect every single day on you and your spouse and your family and your kids and your coworkers. In pursuit of joy, to stay positive, Paul said to lift your sight and to fix your eyes. That means work. And some of this is very similar to the theme that we had around Thanksgiving. Let's talk turkey, the idea of finding joy in things. And I know it can be, Ryan, that's great. Got to find joy. But how do I actually do it? Do I just drum it up somehow inside myself? Or am I just able to produce it myself? No. Like anything, it takes work. Lift is work. Fix your eyes, work. Here's a principle that we'll all get because we all know. If you want to get healthy, lose weight, and get more in shape, we know that if we go to the gym one day and eat healthy one day, you're going to come home and look at that, sit on that scale, and it's not going to have changed anything, will it? What does it take? It takes creating a habit in your life day after day after day after day to see the results. And in this fashion, this is what we do. If we want to be able to find joy and, and produce this, this positive mindset, regardless, like Paul, put to death, I'm in jail, I've been whipped a bunch of times, I've almost been you know, killed a bunch of times, people are after to rob me, do all these things, how does he find joy? He puts into practice every single day that in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the storm and the chaos and the things that we face, we need to stop and we need to pray as Psalm 100 encourages us to pray. I will, it says this, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, and I will enter his courts with praise. You're saying, Ryan, what are gates and what are courts? Well, who are we talking about? The idea is that when I come into God's presence, I'm going to do so first off with thanksgiving in my heart, and I'm going to enter his presence with praise. Because the moment in the midst of what you face, that really tough situation, that sucky situation, that thing that's not fair, the thing that makes you lie awake at night, when you stop either starting your day or in the midst of when you find yourself thinking negatively, stop and pray and say, God, I am so thankful for and force yourself to, to, to walk through in your mind and your heart what you're thankful for. 
Similar thing that we talked about during Thanksgiving. God, I'm so thankful, God, that I have food that I get to eat. God, I'm so thankful that I have a roof over my head. God, I am so thankful that my kids are safe. Remember, we talk about all the time. The example that I gave is the time I thought I lost Emery as we were shopping, and it started to get real, and I started to get scared. And we know in those moments, the things that are really important come to the forefront, and all the things we had been living as if were important go to the wayside. I could care less about how much money I have. I just want my daughter safe, right? But when we stop and pray in the midst of it, it's not one time won't fix it for you. You're not going to go home today and do this one time, and all of a sudden you're going to have joy. But when you do it like you go to work out, when you go, when you start to eat healthy because you want to see the change happen, when you make it a habit in your life, when I make it a habit in my life to stop and pray and be thankful for what we have, it starts to change the whole way that we live, the whole way that we communicate with other people, the whole way that we approach our job, the whole way that we approach the relationship with our spouse. It won't fix it overnight, but if you want to find joy, the life hack is it's not about going out and buying it or getting it or seeking it. The life hack is it's already there, present and available for you, which is what God is already doing in your heart is to stop and be grateful and be thankful. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that God, again, this is a a topic that's simple and ideal. Just like going to work out, we know how to get healthy. Eat better, exercise. It's the execution of it that's so difficult to do it day in and day out, but that's the only way that results are earned. And so God, we pray that today, tomorrow, this week, this month, next year. God, for some in this room right now, the situations are real. They are tough. The business is not doing well and it's not turning around. The bills, medical, the bills just to live, uh, whatever it is, seem to be increasing. The hole keeps seeming to get deeper. And God, I'm praying, but you're not answering. I don't know what's going on. God, it's real for some people in this room right now. But God, I pray that you would give us every one of us, the courage got to take a step to create a habit in our lives. We know that if we eat healthy and work out, we know that we'll get results. And God, we know that if we commit ourselves to prayer of being thankful for focusing, putting our eyes on the good things, our sights above the earthly things, but to eternal changes the way that we live. And we know that over time, It will produce joy. Every single one of us, God, would love to have the joy that Paul had because it made no sense for his circumstances on any given day of his life. But God, we want to be in the place that regardless of what's happening, that we can find joy in you. We thank you, God, that you show us, that you love us, that you're leading us, and we give you permission to continue to do that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.